We're back. <laughs> hey, besties. So the topic that we're going to hit on today is something that Kelsey's been obsessed with over the last couple of weeks. So I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to give her just a, a full-on green light to just share all of her theories. Okay, you guys want to know what we're talking about? Britney Spears. Dun, 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 dun. No, I, for those of you who know me, I'm not a reader, but I am a listener. So I have listened to Britney Spears' memoir. Just a lot of thoughts about her life and where she's at. And I don't think people realize the mental health portion of the things that she went through and the time period that she went through them in. Hi, I'm Casey, and right here beside me is Kelsey. We are licensed professional counselors, mothers, entrepreneurs, oh, and besties. We know firsthand what it's like to wake up one day and think, how in the heck did I wind up here? Through our own journeys of self-discovery, we found that joy is something that has to be pursued through internal work. Now we are on a mission to help women from all walks of life understand themselves more so they can have real lasting joy. Join us every Thursday to hear fun and insightful interviews with experts who can point you toward self-discovery and fulfillment. I guess for people that weren't like a big Britney Spears fan, all you really remember is the shaved her head. Um, in 2008, yeah, uh, or yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah, and you just remember a lot of things in the tabloids. 2008, I think about where I was at that point that I was my, I was pregnant, you know, like I was about ready to have Mamie. So I really wasn't thinking a whole lot about Britney Spears or her mental health because I feel like I was sort of going through my own crazy experience. I was too young. Like I, there was no way I could have conceptualized some of these things going on. Before this came out, I, I had watched a few documentaries about Britney Spears and I said, Casey, don't you just love Britney Spears? And she's like, no. Never been a fan. And I'm like, what? I just don't. I never thought she was a good singer, first of all. And then, like, her little hit me, baby. Like, I just, <laughs> I, that that was not cute. Like, I just never, never really was a fan of her music. I mean, obviously, I didn't know her. I don't, right, I don't, right. I didn't understand that. But just from music, you know, from that perspective alone i was just not a fan that was just not my genre that i listened to well i am a fan oh, yeah. but beyond that i ooh, just the trauma the trauma you know when she was super famous to the trauma in her conservatorship postpartum depression i think was a, a big one and there was no support i don't think anyone really tried to support her i think they just tried to lock her down or based on what I read and what I've listened to is just like this dynamic in the early 2000s about how men were portrayed versus women. Mm -hmm. And that really gets me going. And also just the tabloids and the paparazzi and how invasive they were. Yeah. How scary. Yeah. And now we have social media. So like, I know that there's still paparazzi out there and tabloids and stuff like that. But what I learned was that people who are famous get to kind of depict their own narrative based on social media they and, can you mean they can put out yeah what they want they can put out what they want they can whereas in the past they were more reliant on the paparazzi to portray them a certain way yeah and even then that wasn't controlled they couldn't control it like if if they were out 
I mean, I know that you and I had this conversation because I really got into this whole mess. I was like looking up TikToks about. Yeah, well, this started for us like even before the book came out. Remember, because you had me on TikTok watching these videos saying, now look at this girl and then look at this girl. Is this really Britney Spears? Yeah, during the free the free Britney movement. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I got lost in all of that. But the more you think about it and you, you sit back and you really observe like all the trauma that she has been through. I mean, she talks about how she had an abortion and she hid it from everyone to the paparazzi being super invasive and like basically like trying to grab her baby while she was walking. And from what I understand about Brittany, just by listening to, well, when you are listening to something <laughs> and stick your phone right up by my ear so I pretty much have no choice but to hear it from what I've gathered she's a very passive person you know just Mm -hmm. like very mild in that way polite respectful I mean she's from Louisiana right so Mm -hmm. like southern type of upbringing and so I can't even imagine it wasn't like somebody else that's just gonna fight for and advocate for themselves yeah and I think some of the people that like Madonna, she's going to advocate for herself, <laughs> um, which was a huge person in her book. But I think that there were times that she was super passive or somebody told her to do something. So she was just going to do it because that's what they told her to do. Mm-hmm. And and think in your 20s, that's pretty much how life evolves. Somebody, if, if somebody in an authority role is like, hey, you need to do X, Y, and Z, specifically with her generation, when she's probably five years older than me. Maybe. Yeah. And I mean, this is someone that was basically born and raised into the public eye. I mean, think about your sense of self at that point. Like if you're a little girl and what did she start out with? Mickey Mouse Club? Yeah. So if you're a little girl and let's just say about Oakland's age, maybe, maybe, maybe a year, six older or so. And that is like when you're really starting to develop a sense of self. Yeah. And learning to advocate for yourself and understanding dynamics of environmental situations, family dynamics, all of these things. And here you are basically being raised by the media. Yeah. How do you even know how to advocate for yourself? Because you you don't. There's always someone advocating for you or against you. Well, and that puts me in mind of Miley Cyrus. So you like pair those two together, who I think Miley started coming up 10, 15 years later than Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. She was allowed to have like this mental breakdown where nobody like where she was basically desi- designing this sense of self or really showing people, hey, I don't I don't give a F what you think of me. People supported her through that. Mm-hmm. And then here you have Britney Spears that did that a couple years before that. Nobody supported her. They were like, oh, she's crazy. Well, yeah, and and even like Taylor Swift now, you see all of these memes and things on social media where she says, oh, you don't like it that I'm being me? Well, I'm going to be me more. Yeah. You know, just like throwing their middle finger up at people, which, heck yeah, I mean, of course you're going to get judged. Of course you're going to get ridiculed. Of course you're going to be called crazy. I mean, the more out there you are, the more you're going to get. But I think for Britney Spears, it just seemed like it was the perfect storm. Are you tired of running to the lobby to see if your next appointment has arrived? Would you like a more discreet, stress-free way for your clients to check in? Take a deep breath. 
the receptionist for iPad empowers your practice to create a zen-like check-in experience. This episode is sponsored by the receptionist for iPad. It's the highest rated digital check-in software for therapy and behavioral health offices used by thousands of practitioners across the country. The receptionist for iPad is a simple and expensive way to allow your clients to discreetly check in to notify providers of a patient's arrival and to ensure your front lobby is stress-free. The software sends an immediate notification to the therapist when a client checks in and can even ask if any patient information has changed since their last visit. Start a 14-day free trial of The Receptionist for iPad by going to thereceptionist.com slash besties. And when you do, you'll also get your first month free when you sign up. Like, All the wrong things happening at the right times for other people. Yeah. To like exploit. Justin Timberlake, her dad, Jamie Lynn Spears. Mm-hmm. You know, her mom wrote a book based on, I don't know what her mom's book's necessarily about, but I know it's about Britney Spears and it's about she got money based on Britney Spears' story. So, But that doesn't that also make you think about, okay, so Britney Spears was like the pop princess of all time during all of this and, and now she, it's like resurfacing but take those circumstances and just scale them way 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 down and think about just average her as a human no not even about her just average people how many average people have really bad things happen to them at the right time for other people to capitalize on. And, I mean, yeah. and and then they're portrayed like they're psychotic yeah, or crazy. You know, you come try to take my children and in my mind, I've done nothing wrong. That will elicit psycho. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I told you that we were driving down the street and I was like, I mean, could you imagine having your kids taken away from you? And I mean, she, what did Britney Spears do? She like took an umbrella and like beat this car with it. Like that was really going to do much. But I can't say that if I was under that kind of pressure that I wouldn't snap into that way. And I'm I'm pretty stable and pretty level headed. But if it comes to my kid, mm-hmm. oh, that's just like a whole different like that. That hits different. Well, I think everyone has a breaking point. And at that time, you know, I have these words written up here on the board in our room and like gaslighting was not a, was not a term. It's always been a thing, but it wasn't something that had a label. Mm-hmm. And think about how often people made her think she was crazy. Mm-hmm. She probably thought she was crazy. Uh, yeah, I would almost guess. And especially if you're being dosed to the level that she was being dosed, how could you even? So look, you have this little kid that's now an adult that was was raised to who knows in what kind of way who never fully developed a sense of self, really started to owning her her body like she was one of the first ones, even before Christina Aguilera, who was like, hey, this is me. Yeah, I'm going to dance around here and smack my butt and hit me, baby, one more time. <laughs> like, you know, like girls her age weren't doing that back then, really. Mm-hmm. It, it really wasn't so much a thing. And, I mean, to think how risky that had to have felt to just, like, embrace, hey, this is just who I am. Even to this day, I mean, she talks about embracing her sexuality and, you know, like, well, why why do you post pictures of yourself naked on Instagram? Mm-hmm. Well, because I want to, you know, yeah. does that mean you're crazy? No, I don't think it does. Well, and when you specifically talk about the conservatorship that she was in, 
she missed out. I mean, yeah, she got to participate in life, but she missed out on so many things related to social media, like the things that we were doing 10 years ago are the things that she's starting to do now because she is behind. She's behind on life. She was locked away for however many years. Mm -hmm. And I know that's just like a different, I'm kind of going off into a different realm here, but there's like no grace for this woman throughout her life and the bad, perfect storm. And, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not one to judge and I'm not judging, but it just makes me curious when people say, well, if she wanted to end the conservatorship, she would have said something. Or if she wanted to whatever, she would have done something. That's not necessarily true, like coming from a trauma perspective. Because think about those trauma bonds that she had to have formed. Mm-hmm. Like that was a trauma bond, maybe not not from Justin Timberlake's perspective, but from her perspective. You know, having a pregnancy and having your partner not want to have the baby and so you agree to have an abortion you're forming a trauma bond Mm -hmm. and depending on how the dynamics of that relationship played out while that was happening she could have been had to have been deeply wounded emotionally from that Mm -hmm. trauma bond with her dad there had to be like this tug well there's a lot of men in her life like you know me themes right when we're talking about trauma and the themes of her, men played a huge part in all of the turns of her story. Absolutely. She was searching for something. Mm-hmm. She was searching for something that I think she probably never felt that she got. Yeah. And she was looking for someone to fulfill that role. You know, I mean, it, it seemed like she always was looking for a clone in some ways. Tell me more about that. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about this a little bit. I think whenever you experience trauma, whether it's little traumas, big traumas, any kind of trauma, and you don't necessarily have the insight to see or to understand what's happened to you and how that's continuing to show up in your life, obviously you're not going to deal. You're not going to process and deal with those traumas. (laughs) You just want me to say it, aren't you? Yeah. When I was writing my book, like sitting, I was sitting on the couch in in the house that I don't live in anymore. And I think you were in the bedroom or something. But anyway, I just remember having this major epiphany of, I was thinking about my soon to be ex at the time and my last ex. And while they were very, very, very different in a lot of ways, Something that I was writing about just, well, I'll tell you, you are writing, but you are using like these small, short stories and you're like, hey, can I read you something? Or Mm -hmm. I I might have come Mm -hmm. on the couch and said, read me something. And you read it to me and I guessed the opposite person that you had wrote it about. Yeah. I said, who do you think that, because I didn't use their name. Right. And I said, who do you think this was? And you said it. And I was like, no. And then it was like, oh my (laughs) God, I'm married. His clone. Mm-hmm. And it was the same exact thing. It was, okay, I had these unmet needs growing up and in, especially in early adulthood. And I was like searching for unknowing, like not overtly at all. This was just totally subconscious. I was searching for something. And if you would have asked me, did my first husband or my second husband resemble your dad 
or my dad. Off the cuff, I'd be like, heck no. Mm-hmm. But the more that I really, as I was writing and just working on understanding myself and themes in my own life a little bit better, I was like, holy shit. Like, they are so much alike, all of them. But I think it takes a lot in order to have that awareness around patterns and things that you're chasing. You have to be, like, talking about them out loud and, like, making connections. And sometimes that's so hard, especially when you have a lot of things going on. Well, yeah, when you you can't do that in survival mode. No. You can't do that when you're operating out of that base part of your brain. It doesn't work. You know, it's it's like, I remember, so this does connect back to what we were talking about with Britney Spears. But, like, I just remember whenever I was writing this book and I, I kind of had a deadline. and. My previous editor, but writing coach, AJ, we were talking and like really hashing out some of the things like it was just a very difficult book to put together. But she just kept saying, I think it's great. My only concern is you don't have enough in the rear view. It's not in the rear view yet. And I agreed with her. I'm thinking, yeah, this is very fresh. Like, this is all very fresh because I was writing it in real time. And I knew that I knew that that book wasn't going to launch when it was supposed to. But while I was in that survival mode, if I wouldn't have had you to have those conversations and to like pinpoint things, probably wouldn't have happened. And then also, it wasn't like I could fully just sit with it either. You know, like I would have just these little blips of epiphanies. So I can't even imagine her not having a mental health degree, not having a master's in mental health counseling, not having a significant other who also has a background in counseling, you know, not having a support system, not having your children. Yeah. Like, can you imagine? No. Like having basically everyone view you. I mean, just imagine if somebody was videoing you all hours of the day, right? Mm -hmm. And what a small little snippet could be turned into. Mm -hmm. Listen, this girl has everything that I've read about her, everything that you have made me watch. (laughs) One thing that, that just comes through in every single person's description of her is that she has guts and tenacity. Like, she's a hard worker. She's got some spark inside of her even though she might be mild and polite and and friendly and all of those things like she has some some spite and i just remember like when i was being videotaped all the time and i and i really felt like my personal space was being invaded makes you crazier it does it does make you crazier but <laughs> now this is just me i don't think this is just like a blanket statement that everyone does this? No. I just, the more that that my personal space is invaded and the more that I feel trapped in whatever way, I will act out. It's happened. There's a history There's of a it. There's a pattern of it. There's a pattern of it over my whole entire life. You could probably go back and ask my parents and they would say, yep, you know, I tried to discipline her in this way and this is what she did. But like just being being videotaped and followed and, and all of that. I just wanted to be like, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> watch me like you. You think this is what I'm doing? OK, let me do it. And even though it might not have even been anything I'd ever considered doing, 
Or maybe it'd be something that I've thought about doing my whole entire life. It wouldn't have mattered. I would have done it just to spite someone. She did that. I've watched so many videos. Britney Spears freaking did that. There was so many short clips of like media trying to follow her around uh-huh. and her like doing things out of spite that they were recording mm-hmm. or that they were taking pictures of her or what it had been. See, that would be me. I would be the lunatic too, but because, you know, enough's enough. Like, uh, enough's enough. And everyone has to, when you combine the fact, one, that your privacy is breached, two, that you're not being listened to when you're trying to explain yourself. You're not being heard. When you have everyone in your life talking, spreading rumors about you that aren't true, you know, when you're when you're being painted to be something that you're not, who wouldn't be crazy? Yeah, and think about the high stakes. I remember when I was going through custody battle with my ex, the high stakes of your child Right. And not only did she have one, she had two also in the public eye. That alone, I mean, I say it all the time. I would have probably acted just as crazy. And if you if you listen to her book or read her book, you can tell that her children, when they were born, it was just a different kind of love that she never experienced. And we can all relate to that. But I feel like when you combine that with her generational trauma, mm-hmm. like it's unmatched. Well, duh. Duh, she was beating a car with a umbrella because he wouldn't let her see her kids. Mm-hmm. Duh. And she said that reasons why she stayed in her conservatorship and may have never said anything was because she knew that if she was good in her conservatorship, she could see her kids for, like, just lay with them for an hour or two. Well, speaking of themes, I mean, that's been a theme that I've seen throughout her whole entire life is if I'm good, then... This will happen. If I'm good, I'll get what I want. And it's just, I mean, if you think about that, how we're groomed as little kids, little girls, to be good. And she does it all the time. Mm -hmm. That's why her breakups were so bad for her, because despite her knowing that they were cheating on her or that they were probably going to leave her, she sat and she was good. She sat there. She would take care of the kids and she was good. And you want to know what he was doing? He was out making a record. When Justin Timberlake was doing all of his things, she just turned a blind eye to it. And she's like, well, things are good when we get home. It'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should just stop being good Mm -hmm. and stop teaching our children, especially our little girls, that, well, you need to be good. I'm bad for it. I know I am. I think it's more about what does good mean? You know, does good mean being submissive to male figures? Maybe. Maybe in, in certain instances. Maybe I think everyone has a different standard for what good is, and we may or may not communicate that appropriately to our children. I mean, I say it. I think my kids know what I mean by be good. They're older, but I do think being more specific, like be kind, be thoughtful. But also teaching our children as they grow to set boundaries and what we could tell our listeners about what our conversation that we just had with our kids about fighting if somebody puts their hands on you. <laughs> oh, God. Can we make a separate podcast yes, about we can, that? Yes, we can do that in a separate podcast. But just like nobody ever taught me how to set boundaries growing up. I know that for a well, fact. Well, clearly not. Damn. I didn't have a backbone. Oof. But, you know, I think giving our kids permission to have appropriate boundaries and to say no. Like if something doesn't feel right with their gut, then just be like, yeah, I don't know about that. Well, you know, even as adults, 
I found myself in this exact same situation and we've talked about it by being good. You know, like, I mean, in my first serious relationship, I was not good. (laughs) (laughs) I was really bad. I think it wasn't so much about the person I was with. I mean, he didn't do anything awful to me or anything like that. But uh, yeah, too young, like too young to get married too soon, just all of those things. And I felt like I was like karma really got me. And so I think and I I kept saying to myself, like, okay, next time I'm going to be really, really good. I'm going to be so good. I'm going to be so good. And then it's going to all be good. And I think as adults, like some, especially women, like we tell ourselves that and we tell ourselves that for so long. And I mean, I told myself that for nine years. And try to perfect your behavior. Oh, yeah. You know, like psychoanalyzing, second guessing some mistakes that you've made in the past and going to the far other depths of exactly. the earth. Yeah. I went, I took a hard whatever other direction like I went from being bad to I'm never going to tell a lie I'm never going like it's it's always just going to be very transparent I'm going to work I'm going to provide I'm going to you know I'm going to do everything right and then when I do good things will come good things will happen wrong (laughs) and then think about how you must feel If you have like given everything to do so good and then when you actually do make a mistake, it's like highlighted for the world to see Mm -hmm. and there's no grace given and there's no empathy and there's no understanding or or any of that. It's so freaking unfair. Now I'm really going to get fired up. Like I feel really, really empathetic toward her and what she went through because I, I think that I mean, even what happened to me on like a much smaller scale, it's almost like you come up with all of these inner voices that are saying, if I was good for all that time and then it still didn't work out, now what? When I think, listeners, how this is super relevant to you in general is that I don't think we can judge people based on what we hear or what somebody is throwing at us. Like, I think Casey wrote this book, and I think people are really going to be shocked at what they find out about her because she is very hard on the exterior. Not so much anymore, but used to be. Imagine people that knew you 10 years ago reading that book. They would never even guess. And so, you know, the old saying goes, don't judge a book by its cover, but also don't discount people for the things that they've been through that you might not know about. Like, yeah, they might be successful. Yeah, they might have X, Y, and Z, but they still have a story. They still have things that, you know, patterns they've repeated, themes that have shown up in their life. And don't discount yourself either. You know, just because something may have happened to you and you may have acted a certain way, that's not where your story ends. You know, that's just a very short chapter in your life. And it's an opportunity once it's in the rear view. (laughs) It's an opportunity to learn more about yourself and to grow. I do want to say no one's read the book because obviously it doesn't come out until March, but we are assembling our launch teams. And so if you are a listener and you're interested in helping promote the book and getting early access to the book and early copies, 
You can go to the website. It's caseycompton.com forward slash launch. There are three uh, launch teams to choose from. You get tons of swag, shirts, koozies, tumblers, bookmarks, stickers, hats, fanny packs. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But we would love to have people that listen to our podcast, that support our podcast, also help us launch this book. And we want you to be able to read it first. So we will definitely give you an advanced reader copy. Hoping Britney Spears is listening to this. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But if you guys do read the book, Casey's or Britney Spears' memoir, um, (laughs) then and you want to talk about it, reach out. Yeah. If you have thoughts on this and want to be a guest on the podcast, we would would love to hear it. You can go on to the website again. There is a drop down under podcast and there's a little button that you can click on that says be a guest. And we would love to hear from you. Well, thanks so much, besties. We will talk to you next time. If you're enjoying our podcast and would like to hear more from us, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast so we can keep making great content. Talk to you later, besties.